Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So, uh, we not going to have weed in Indiana? Is this, is this what's happening? You got a group weighing cannabis legislation but not making recommendations? What, I, what do I do with this? Are we or are we not going to be able to smoke weed in the great state of Indiana? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A bag of weed, a bag of weed, or everything is better with a bag of weed. It's the only nothing you'll ever need because everything is better with a bag of weed. I'm confused. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. The governor, Eric Holcomb, has been very, very, very clear that there's going to be no legalization of marijuana in the state of Indiana, even though all our neighbors have all the weed. There are Delta 8 products and things like that that, that, that happen, but there's no legalized recreational or medicinal marijuana. Every time it comes up, he's like, well, it's not legal on the federal level. I don't know why we would make it legal now. But the other last session, session before, they decided to have one of those summer study session kind of things. It's the Interim Study Committee on Commerce and Economic Development. And they are examining the legalization of adult-use cannabis in Indiana as it relates to workforce impacts and teen use. And they even took testimony around the possibility of decriminalizing simple marijuana possession, which is a completely different subject altogether. But what they came uh, to is the idea of we're not, we we got no recommendations. We looked at it. We talked about it, and in the end, we went home, probably to smoke some marijuana. So I have, that's just so rude. I have absolutely no idea. It's like, uh, uh, did you ever watch The Sopranos? Did you ever watch The Sopranos? Listen, you've been around this show enough. You know that I absolutely love, love The Sopranos. Love it. But of all the lines in all the episodes of The Sopranos, season one offers the best line ever, and it comes from AJ. She's not coming. Who? Grandma just called. Started crying and hung up. She needs a purpose in life. No, your mother is tougher than you think. So what, no f***ing's eating now? Hey! This is exactly how I see this whole committee. So so what now? What exactly does it mean for now? Am, am I smoking? Am I hiding? Do I get to holes? What if I have myself a really cool grow light? Can I get into the hydroponics? I don't know. If you ask me if I'm okay with the legalization of marijuana, I think it, it, it's like catch me on the day. In the main, I'm fine with it. In the main, I am fine with the idea that adults do a thing. I, 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 I am. Um, if you ask me if I'm fine with people walking around the streets doing it, it's different. 
And and I think that we've seen enough, not even from Denver, because Denver was the first, so all the people went there. And so maybe we could say that some of the impacts are outsized compared to if things were, were like this in a more national way. But have you been to Chicago? Have you been to New York? Have you been to San Francisco? All you smell is weed everywhere, everywhere. And I can't say that I want that for downtown Indianapolis or downtown Bloomington or around the campus of Ball State or I, for, throughout Fort Wayne. I don't, I can't imagine that anybody wants it because I think it actually does create a disincentive. You know, I feel this way about casinos in downtowns. If, if, if a casino went into downtown Indianapolis, it's not like that I think it'd be the end of the world. But I've seen what casinos do in downtowns and they don't seem to thrive. They, 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 they need specific areas. They need specific demographic considerations, a whole bunch of things. I would vote against it, but if it was there, I would want it to be successful. I would vote against the idea of smoking weed in public. Yeah, I I would. Well, Tony, you smoke cigars in public. Yes, I do. And if we're going to start comparing cigars to marijuana, we are out of our holy damn minds. You have to ask yourself what is the benefit and what is the issue and be honest about it. Telling somebody, you know, somebody smoking in their backyard is different than than 100 people smoking on the streets of Pick Your Downtown. And once you do go down this road, these are questions that have to be answered. You have to go with a theory. But to have a committee and at the end, everyone said, well, that was fun. And that was it. That's, that is super weird. Super weird. And it just, it just leaves me with the Sopranos. So what, no f***ing ZD now? All right. I just wanted to play it again. (laughs) Best line possibly in the entire series. That's how good that is. Meanwhile, the Colts, not very good at all. But can they be good against the one in six Carolina Panthers? Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer. So the Indianapolis Colts have not had the season anybody wanted, although maybe it was a, it's a season better than anybody predicted. But when you have the three losses in a row, and one questions whether you should have had any of them be losses. You got absolutely throttled by the Jaguars. You got screwed by the refs against the Browns. And you weren't willing to win against the Saints. It doesn't make one feel good. So now, it's not that this is a make or break game for the Colts. This is a whether the Colts actually want to play to win kind of game. This isn't about their season. This is about them telling the fan base and themselves... We're serious about football. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. JMV joins us. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis. Uh, This Panthers game has a tremendous number of stories, like undercurrent kind of stories. None greater than you pointing out that it was this time last year that the coach of the Panthers, Frank Reich, was let go as the coach of the Colts. Yes, that's where we all start, and that would be – it's kind of like this, Tony. 
if you remember last year, almost about this time as well, I think this was before Halloween a year ago, we thought maybe we would see Carson Wentz as a member of the Washington Commanders come in here, and that would have been the worst-case scenario, him coming in and getting a win. Now, as it turned out, it was uh, Taylor Heineke that came in for the Commanders and got a win against the Colts. I thought that that would be bad with Wentz. I think on Sunday this would be horrific with Frank Reich. You get a one-win team going on coming up on Sunday, getting their first win this past week. You get a one-win team, and the problem is that this team's not any good right now. And the problem is you get Bryce Young at quarterback where you want also your rookie quarterback to be playing. None of that has worked to this point because you have Anthony Richardson out. You have Bryce Young that's been effective here or there. And they think there he's going to have a big game finally. He's able to break out. And then you look at the Colts secondary and wonder, could that be Sunday? The secondary is really only missing you back there right now, which has been problematic. Uh, nobody back there. Everybody's injured. And if Bryce Young has that indeed breakout performance against the Colts, Frank Wright gets that second win against the Colts. It's going to be a long week of conversation next week. Going to Frankfurt, Germany, Tony Cash, to say the least. Now, now first – are you disparaging my ability to play in the secondary? I kind of wonder about it. I do. Um, I just I don't know what your forty time is. You'd have to tell me that. Uh, well, they're still calculating it. I'll be done any second now. <laughs> any second. Go ahead. Uh, you you take a look at Gardner Minshew versus Bryce Young, uh, and you realize that Minshew uh, has more yards. Uh, so far, uh, same amount of touchdowns, basically same amount of interceptions, five for Minshew, four for, for Young. Um, what does, when, when you think Young is poised for a big game, is that saying that he's starting to feel comfortable as a quarterback? Or is that, talking about the secondary, the Colts, is that saying that this secondary is just terrible? Well, it's, the secondary is terrible. Uh, the secondary's banged up, and the secondary has guys we've really never heard of and shouldn't be out there together right now. So all all of the above, I think you're accurate in stating right here. But uh, that's why they believe in Carolina he could have a breakout game because you get the matchup against that secondary. Um, now, the other aspect of this, Tony, is they have one wide receiver really of note. That's Adam Thielen, the old veteran that used to play in Minnesota. So if the Colts step up defensively, that'd be great. But in the secondary, you just don't really see it. And this is a game where you don't want to be embarrassed by your former head coach that you fired this time last year. And this is also at three and five. It's kind of make or break time right now. Do they have a chance to win the division? Probably not. But if you want to be competitive in the minds of still having an opportunity, you really do need to win this game coming up on Sunday. If you don't, we're going to be looking at mock drafts probably beginning in the second week of November, Tony, and nobody wants that. Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, I stated that I don't think this is a make or break game because I think everything is already broken. I think this is a question of whether or not this team believes that they can play football. That's what I think this game is. It's a, And I think this is a very different headspace game uh, than, than others because it, never mind that the Panthers are one in six, never mind who even the opponent would be. You are coming off of three losses that arguably should not have happened, and that's a psyche issue. And I don't know if Shane Steichen prepared himself or how he would deal with a team that has that kind of mental issue. No, I I agree with you on that, too. I also agree that I just think that this team, as it turns out right now, is 
transforming right before our eyes to the team that we thought we were going to get most of the season. Now, mind you, you know, there have been moments so far like Baltimore, for example, or Tennessee at home where you feel really good about it, and maybe it could be even more. But, Tony, honestly, I think you and I both kind of thought this is what we're going to see this year, and this is what we have begun to see this year with this team. I mean, losing inexplicably in coaching decisions – getting screwed by the officials, getting beaten down by Jacksonville, always having, having something go haywire where it hadn't gone haywire in a game so far. Or, you know, having Jonathan Taylor run for 95 yards and then if you're the coach, unplugging him for whatever reason in the second half. I think, unfortunately, this is starting to become the team that most of us thought they were going to be coming out of training camp, and that's going to be hard to swallow for Colts fans. Speaking of that uh, running attack, uh, Carolina doesn't have one. Hubbard is their leading rusher. 69 carries, 270 yards, and a touchdown. Compare that to Zach Moss, who's still, because of the first four games of the season, the Colts' leading rusher, 125 carries, 589 yards, and five touchdowns. And we're not even talking a Jonathan Taylor. There still seems to be plenty here that says the Colts should win this game. No, you're right about that, too. Think about this. Miles Sanders is a guy they went out and got in free agency, the former Philadelphia Eagles running back, and he's been demoted all the way to third string right now. So they don't have a running game. Um, they have struggled along the offensive line. Uh, obviously, the passing game, their offense entirely hasn't been great. Frank Reich started out as the offensive coordinator. He has now passed that now down the line. So I think you're right. If you're looking at this would be more than just Frank Reich beating you embarrassing. This is a team that, you know, given what we have seen from the Colts, even if it is just kind of the real deal, what we expected coming out of training camp, to lose to this team right now the way that it is with the leadership we have seen and obviously with the play that we have seen, especially on the offensive side, uh, would be embarrassing all the way around. And there's so much going on here. I mean, the defensive side of the football, you get Shaquille Leonard now starting to chirp about the amount of reps he's getting and, and kind of wondering, as Michael Pittman Jr. did a couple of weeks ago, how big in the, the grand scheme of things he is around here. When you go through disappointment like this, now all of a sudden the chirping starts. And uh, we'll see where this goes if the Colts don't win this game in Charlotte Sunday. Take a step back with me. Shaquille Leonard is chirping? Uh, chirping may be the wrong thing. He just is not comfortable. It doesn't seem. That's what I interpreted yesterday from what he had said about his position um, in the rotation defensively of Gus Bradley. Uh, my interpretation of it was that he doesn't think that he is being utilized to the best of his ability. Now, Tony, keep this in mind. Two years ago, he was injured and he was making plays and getting takeaways, and uh, he hadn't done that at all. Even the last, I think, participating nine games or so, he's not taking the ball away. He's not doing, you know, what he did ultimately to earn that contract extension. And this is something we're going to follow because the Colts, monetarily speaking, I mean, you're looking at what he does production-wise and how they value him and taking him out of in-game situations, Tony, as they did on Sunday, taking him out of the game defensively on third down. These two things aren't going to match up. So you're going to have to look at his contract and do something about it, or you may have to just look at his entire deal and think about doing something about it. As we move forward, if his position stays the same rotationally for this defense and there's no plays being made, nothing splash-worthy for this defense, 
you may be watching the final days of Shaquille Leonard in a Colts uniform. We'll get in front of this a little bit. You know, again, maybe that's not going to be the case, but it bears watching as we move forward. Also, with with the watching, you've got uh, Zaire Franklin as questionable. You don't want to see it. You got Juju yeah. Brents as as doubtful uh, so far, and Josh Downs with that knee as questionable. Any updates on on where these injuries are? Um, we'll find out. I'm assuming later on today. Um, I think Zaire Franklin's never missed a game um, in the NFL. That'd be interesting. Uh, find out probably later on today, Tony, for sure. On Saturday, it was weird. Like Josh Downs just kind of popped up there um, after a walkthrough on Wednesday. I mean, you never really know what happens. Sometimes you can get injured in practice. I mean, hell, sometimes you can just get up out of bed and feel like there was an injury that really wasn't worthwhile beforehand that turned into something overnight. I'm not quite quite sure, but you know, we'll follow the injury report today, and then obviously coming up tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Zaire Franklin's never missed, and Josh Downs, if there has been an offensive consistency. He has been a part of that this season as a rookie. No doubt would be a tough loss if he can't play in uh, Carolina on Sunday. Let's step away from uh, the, the 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 Colts, which I, I got. I look, I think the Colts can win this game. I would have the Colts to beat the Panthers any day of the week and, and twice on Sunday. I don't think I'm off base on that. I think you're with me on that. Yes. Okay. I didn't. I wasn't sure. I, was, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> I'm skeptical. I picked. Uh, I picked them to win because I don't want to have to have the conversation that Frank Reich beat you on Monday. So there's a little bit of an angle that I have on this, just outside of my natural gut reaction, Tony. Let me move it over to the Pacers really quick because they come out of the gate with the two wins against the Wizards and the Cavaliers. Uh, they lose uh, to the Bulls, which can happen, and then they got so throttled by the Celtics. One wonders whether they were playing basketball. Um, Yes. What in the world just happened here? Well, they weren't playing defense, that's for sure. Here's what you got against the Celtics on Wednesday night. You got a non-competitive Pacers basketball effort in game number four. Which is incredibly embarrassing. They got embarrassed, Tony. They got embarrassed. Absolutely embarrassed. There was no competitive feeling for that from the gate. Boston went out of control, and then Boston ran roughshod offensively over anybody that the Pacers could put out there. And that's been problematic in our thinking. We've wondered if this defense from a year ago that was a problem is going to be similar this year. You have to be a little bit better. And honestly, you look at the quarters. I want to say that there were a couple, maybe, was there a 40-plus, a couple of 40-plus point quarter? Had to be, I guess, the math would attest to that on Wednesday night against the Celtics. Celtics are good, but, I mean, you have to have a little bit of resistance, and the Pacers were an absolute joke offensively, and you have to thank, I guess, the what the app gods above for not providing some with what they pay for from Valley Sports Indiana and not being able to see that on Wednesday because it was a non-competitive embarrassment that they need to make up for beginning tonight against Cleveland at home. Uh, just for the record, uh, Boston scored 44 in the first quarter and then yep. scored 46 in the fourth quarter. It's the third <laughs> quarter that they outpaced the Pacers 34 to 17. They doubled them. Two baskets for everyone yeah. from the Pacers. It's embarrassing. That's, I, I don't care who's out there. I don't care if you and I are out there. That's embarrassing. 
embarrassing for us all. And really what it was, Tony, from the beginning, it was just a non-competitive game. And you thought you were going to get more, even without Tyrese Halliburton, mind you. You thought you were going to get more out of that group, and um, they didn't bring it. That was disappointing. JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Senator Tuberville is holding firm on holding up these nominations in the military because he is not happy with what's going on in the military, specifically the idea of federal funding to cover travel costs for abortions for service members and their dependents. Tony Katz, that is me, by the way. Tony Katz today, find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. He has been holding up these nominations. But understand that he isn't holding them up so they they can't happen because we've seen some of the nominations get voted on. He's holding up the idea that these happen in a block. That's what he's holding up. He's he's saying that this policy is wrong. And I'm not going to be a party to it. We have to change the policy. This is the argument from the senator from Alabama. Now, I I, I will say to you that there is a solid point that he is making. And he is well within his rights to do so. It is also okay to say, we, the majority, don't agree with you. And you're making life difficult. That is also acceptable to say. This is Chris Hayes from MSNBC. I think it is important to put Senator Tuberville's blockade in its proper context. Because you might say to yourself, well, this guy is just one crank. And he is. But in many ways, he's also more than one crank. He is the embodiment of everything that has broken down about American politics in this MAGA era. The defining feature, the core principle of Donald Trump and MAGAism is the belief that Trump and Trump's base and Trump's allies should be in charge, whether or not they have the votes to do so. Rule or room. It's sheer hostility to democracy and the belief in rule by a minority faction instead, because they're the ones who should be calling the shots. Trump's- Can we be clear? That is exactly what we say about the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party, without question, believes that they should be in charge in all ways, and you shouldn't even exist. You shouldn't be allowed to even voice the opposition. That Chris Hayes could say such a thing without looking reflectively, looking, or looking at his own reflection, looking at himself, that is remarkable. In its navel-gazing. Not even one saying, oh, wait, we do that too. But of course, he makes it about Trump as opposed to the thing. What about the thing itself? What about holding this up? This was Senator Tuberville on uh, News Nation discussing things that the Senate can do to work around his hold. Well, it very well couldn't could happen. Lindsey Graham, all he has to do is get 17 signatures 
uh, from Republicans, turn it into Chuck Schumer, and within 24, 48 hours, she'll be on the floor voted on. I mean, it, it's not that hard, uh, but it's nothing like a family argument. And we had that last night, uh, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but, you know, as I tell all of my colleagues, you know, I speak for the people of Alabama, and it's one of the top topics in my state is abortion. And uh, we had a, a very good abortion policy in the military before the Biden administration changed it without going through Congress. So hopefully we can get some negotiations. That's all I want. Let's negotiate this thing. I'm, I know that I'm not going to get 100% of what I want, but at least we can make it fair for everybody. So that's his argument, although I don't know, quite know if that is much of an argument. Uh, the U.S. Senate approving three promotions yesterday. Admiral Lisa Franchetti as Chief of Naval Operations and General David Alvin to be Chief of Staff of the Air Force. They both got confirmed by a 95 to 1 vote. Lieutenant General Christopher Mahoney conserved, confirmed 86 to nothing as Assistant Commandant. Commandant. I always say that, I said it too quickly. Assistant Commandant of the Marine Corps. Now, of course, everybody wants you to know that Franchetti becomes the, the first woman to command the Navy and be a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I don't care. I only care that she knows how to kill the enemy. Only thing I give a damn about, do not care what is under the pants or the pantsuit or the skirt. I assume there would be uh, things under the pants or the pantsuit or the skirt. I'm saying I don't want to hear about historic anything. What I want is a military that knows how to kill the enemy until they're dead. That's just me. What can I say? I'm a purist. But people are stunned that Tuberville is, is holding firm and people are angry that he's holding firm and the whole thing is obstinate. Since you have the ability to work around him. What is the argument? The argument is you don't like the fact that he is pointing out that maybe this isn't what the military should be paying for. Maybe the military should not be paying for abortions. Why is that such an odd conversation to have? Now, you could say to me, Tony, it's not that he wants to have that conversation. It's the way he's having the conversation. Well, okay. We could, we could argue that and, and, and say, sure, we don't like the way he is presenting the conversation. Here's the response. How would you like him to have the conversation? Well, I'd like to ha- him ha- to have it in a way where he wasn't so uh, in my way and maybe he was just standing to the side quietly and then when we're done with everything else, maybe we'll pay attention to him, but probably not because that's why he's doing it. You're not paying attention. He thinks it's something to pay attention to. So he's doing it. Now, one could argue, one could argue that uh, he's doing it for attention. This is politics, people. That is absolutely possible. Of course he could be doing it for attention. All politics are local. He just said that this is a top subject in Alabama. Of course he could be doing it for the clicks, for the likes, for the votes. Of course he could. Now, the question is, and... Or, as, as even better said, so? I once gave an entire speech on this concept of and and so. 
when someone says, well, you're just doing this to, to get reelected. And? You're just doing this so so you'll get some attention. So? That in and of itself isn't a reason not to do the thing. You might get attention. You might get votes. You might get likes or clicks or, or the other things. What you have to be able to do is defend the thing. What you have to be able to do is explain the thing. He's making an argument. And the argument is fine. There are people who do plenty of things to be obstinate or just to be, you know, uh, uh, self-aggrandizing, self-promoting, and you can decide whether you want to work with those people or, or not. And certainly they can believe that what that's what Tuberville is doing. And I don't know the man personally, so maybe he is, maybe he is and beats me. But he's the one who will deal with the uh, consequences of that, like we all would in, in any field that we were in, and him as a politician running for re-election, if he does, in Alabama. But should the government be paying for abortions? Or do you want not do you not want us to have that conversation? Well, Tony, we don't mind that conversation, but we have to get these people appointed. We have to get them in place. You know, we might need to get these people in place, but when do we have the conversation? This is the argument. We don't have time for that. We need to get this done. You always need to get something done. You always need to have the person confirmed. You always need to pass the spending package. You always need to make the statement. When do we actually do the work? People want to tell me that Matt Gates is some kind of great strategist and what he did uh, regarding Speaker McCarthy and then getting Speaker Johnson was a brilliant stroke. I'm never, ever going to be there. I want Speaker Mike Johnson to do well, but I am never going to be in the place where someone tells me that Matt Gates is a genius. Jeez. Genius. What are you, insane? No plan. And yes, he did like seeing his name in lights. He did like Pat being the center of attention and he liked the power. Now, one could ask in the same way I'm asking about Tuberville. Yeah, but we can't keep having speakers who aren't willing to stop the fiscal insanity. We can't keep having speakers who just want to go along and work out side deals and figure we the people don't matter and then tell us why they're different and why they're better. It's got to stop. You'll note that I have no objection to that statement at all, and I had no objection to that statement even when referring to Speaker McCarthy. All I wanted was a plan. If I'm the Republican Party, I don't know why you're yelling at, at Tommy Tupperville. Go around him. Go around him, just like you did. Or does the fact that you have to go around him prove that you're not willing to take a stand on the government paying for abortions, which is a very hard place to be when you're a member of the Republican Party? Is the issue not so much that Democrats are bothered by it, but Republicans are bothered by it because if they're not standing with Tuberville, they're saying, yeah, let the government pay for abortions. Please don't bother me with this silliness. Oh, uh, the truth is, I don't think this story plays huge in the American psyche. I think the speaker story did more. 
Certainly Israel, Hamas, uh, Hamas, by the way, terrorist organization, in case nobody told you, uh, plays more. The southern border plays more. The uh, China and, and uh, fentanyl uh, and their, their abuses uh, plays more. I think what's happening on college campuses plays more. I, I do. I, I think that if, if we're going to talk about re-election chances, nothing Tuberville is doing could could uh, is going to impact it. As a matter of fact, the Democrats control the Senate. Jack Reed, he is uh, the Armed Services Committee chairman, introducing a resolution to suspend the Senate rules to allow votes on multiple military nominations all at once, but only through the end of the year. They can't get around them to just do this bulk vote, so they'll change the rules to do the bulk vote. And you ask yourself, what's with the bulk vote thing anyway? Like, why does that matter? It matters because you can take 10, 15, 20 people and maybe slip through two or three who are um, questionable and have maybe more political ideology than an ideology towards uh, the protection of the nation. Just get them through. It allows you to hide. That's the part. That's why they're upset with Tuberville. They don't get to hide. Oh, you can play this a bunch of different ways. Uh, I think that this hold is going to disappear soon. I think they will make changes or they'll vote around him. But just for the sake of clarity, you don't like Tuberville's approach? Okay, he's not wrong. Because we have yet to start even discussing the question, why should the government pay for abortions? Why should your tax dollar pay for an abortion? That's a good question. And it seems that he's the only guy asking it. Maybe there should be a discussion. If there's not going to be an answer, could there at least be a discussion about it? I'm Tony Katz. Here's what, what we know and I think is uh, agreed among uh, everyone. There cannot and must not be a return to the pre-October 7th status quo. That's unacceptable. It's not tolerable uh, for Israel. It shouldn't be acceptable or tolerable by, uh, by anyone else. Uh, and that means that the idea of uh, Hamas remaining responsible for governance such as it was uh, and um, and security and posing an ongoing and enduring threat to uh, to Israel and its citizens uh, is unacceptable. So that's one thing we know. Which is weird because the president is calling for a humanitarian pause, which would allow for the ongoing threat of Hamas. So I'm not quite sure what Secretary of State Antony Blinken is saying there in this visit to Israel. Here's what I know. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I know that here in the United States, I'm getting ready to send a kid to college. And I know once we see acceptance letters, we will be doing a very deep dive to see where that school is on that subject. And that is absolutely going to inform whether or not we write a check there. This is something I want to see everywhere and not just from Jews. What the what Israel is going to do in regards to war? Uh, 
with Hamas uh, circling uh, Gaza City, not stopping no matter what the United States or any other nation says, blowing up and flooding out the, the tunnels, disabling Hamas killing their leaders, uh, and by the way, all their members, if you ask me. Uh, That is something that goes on regardless of what I do here. Although I will tell you that my support for Israel on this is complete. I am a Zionist. I believe that Israel has the right to exist. I believe that Israel has the right to defend itself. Policies and all other things, debatable subjects. We're talking about existence. And that's the difference between me and Rashida Tlaib and Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis and Ilhan Omar and the rest of the Jew-hating squad. What I can do something about is the Jew-hating college campus and the Jew-hating students and the Jew-hating professors. And they're not just hating Jews. They hate non-Jews as well. They hate anybody who doesn't agree with them, doesn't believe like they believe, doesn't think what they think, and doesn't go along. And they will physically and mentally abuse anybody they can and anybody they have to to get them to either shut up or agree. And we've seen it. Cornell and Columbia and Harvard. Yeah, it's the Ivies. But it's not just the Ivies. Dear Lord, what I'm seeing locally from the University of Indianapolis, the stories that I'm hearing make you sick where their their leadership is, their university president is. I should really get her on the show, see if she'd answer a question. The idea that there's nothing that you can do is untrue. There are many things that you can do, whether that be the straight donation of a dollar to somebody who, who needs it, whether it be the IDF or, or, or somebody else, or where you decide to spend your money. And I'm telling you, this weekend, we'll be looking into all of these places where my kid is applied, taking a look at what it is they've said and what they've done, and looking my kid in the eye and saying, you don't go there, you can go there. Changes have to be made. It's time for people to start making them. Find everything at TonyCats.com. Monday, everyone. Take care. Take care.